Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. Today, I am your host, Brendan, and uh, we got a we got another special guest here with us. Uh, someone that uh, you've all probably heard me talking about quite a bit the past the past few weeks. Uh, he has a new novel uh, that just came out that we would uh, we're going to talk about today. Uh, it is author, and again, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us, Alex Ebenstein. Thank you. Glad glad to be here. So, uh, how how does it feel? Uh, I, we'll talk about your book in 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 a little bit. But so this just came out. Uh, it's getting quite a bit of. I've seen quite a few people talking about it. You know, uh, shortwave publishing has been uh, retweeting a lot of the like the very nice tweets and stuff I've been seeing about it. How does it feel uh, to have something that you've put so much time and effort in to be received, kind of as as well as it as it seems to be. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty surreal. Um, it's the hope, right? You want you want people to be excited about it, to to not only buy into like taking a look, but then going out of their way to post about it too. I mean that that says a lot to me, and that says a lot about the presentation of the whole thing, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, it's yeah, it's very. It's it's surreal to like just see even people talking about it. You know, I, I my first book came out only a few months ago, so I'm still very new to the whole like mm-hmm. having a having my own personal work, like with my name on the cover out there. So to see anyone talking about my work is is a little bit mind blowing still. And I, I apologize. I should have said the name of the book there. Uh, that's uh, Melonhead Mayhem. And okay. also, I I do owe you a big apology because one of my first tweets about it, uh, I tweeted a uh, Melonhead Massacre. And I don't know. I don't know why. It's just in my head. I was like Melonhead Mayhem, and my fingers typed Massacre. Uh, I mean, it fits. It fits. <laughs> and I, and, I think uh, you said a possible sequel, maybe possible sequel. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's always a, always a possibility for one. Uh, so, uh, let's kind of, uh, I kind of want to introduce, uh, people to you, but also first how I stumbled upon, uh, Melonhead Mayhem. Um, so, uh, it was pretty cool. You, you guys had Dread Central do the, uh, the cover reveal. How, how did you score that? Cause that's there. I mean, that them and bloody disgusting, they're kind of, uh, top of the, the game there. Yeah. Um, so Credit to Alan, and I'm going to be saying that a lot. Credit to Alan, <laughs> Alan Lestefka, the the owner operator of Shortwave Publishing. Um, that man will do the absolute most and best that he can without fail. Um, and and he knew in this case with the the whole vibe of the book in the series, the Killer VHS series, um, which this is the first first book of that series, different authors for subsequent books. Um, it was ripe for a crowd that, um, you know, that, that feeds into that whole like movie horror, which isn't always the same. There's, there's certainly overlap, but it's not necessarily the same crowd as like the indie horror writing community. Um, and so he knew that there was a lot of potential there for people to get excited about it. Um, that maybe are not as in tune with the writing world. Um, and so he, he reached out or he, he looked into it and wanted to find a place like Dread Central that could, could, you know, get it out there and, and, and show people who again are, are kind of 
in that sort of scene more so um, and get some excitement around it. And yeah, and he reached out and they, um, they're a really cool, cool place that um, they like supporting like indie, just horror in general. And so they were on board. They said, yeah, send us a, send us cover, give us some info and, and we'll run it. That's incredible. The the second I saw the cover, I sent it to my mom and I was like, uh, you have to buy this. Like <laughs> the second you can. And I, uh, she did. So we are both, uh, officially, wait, where's my card? Uh, we are both officially shortwave video members, uh, nice. number one seventeen. So Very I think good. That, that's pretty great. Uh, how did uh so you you said that this is your uh second book in in a few months and do do some other obligations unfortunately i wasn't able to read it i did get my hands on a copy and i will be getting to it uh so i apologize that my research there uh fell flat a little bit but uh so with this being your in in uh does shortwave has they don't does shortwave have your first one no, I excuse me. So I self-published my first book, Curse Corvus. Um, I have ex- some experience doing indie publishing, and um, that was a book that I had written a few years ago, and and really wanted to get it out there and and kind of just establish my writing career as you know. I've, I've had short stories and anthologies, but I I really wanted to jumpstart the whole hey i've got a book with my name on it like Mm -hmm. you should buy it and figure out who i am as an author and see if you want to keep reading my stuff and so i had intended to self-publish that as early as like almost a year ago probably last august um i had intended to do so and so that was already in the works when the whole melonhead mayhem shortwave thing happened and so you know it wasn't really my intention to have two books come out within three months of each other that's just kind of the way the schedule worked. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's been fun. Like it's cool to have two out and have people, you know, that read the first one and and immediately have another for them to, to pick up. Um, So anyway, yeah, I self published the first book just because I have that experience and and wanted to get it out there. How how did you get into, you said indie publishing, how did you get into all that? Yeah. So I have been writing for a handful of years. Um, not really i it, it wasn't one of those things where I, like i grew up writing i i came to it later in my life and i i'm not <laughs> i don't consider myself old i'm 31 but you know it was only 5 or 6 years ago that i really 6 years ago that i really got into it and um and after a few years i was starting to get more into that indie publishing in like the writing community on twitter and I don't know. It it was one of those kind of harebrained ideas like, Hey, you know what? I think it'd be fun to start a little small press and, and do an anthology and, and maybe see if I can publish other people. Um, it sounded interesting. It, it it felt like a good way to kind of immerse myself in the whole industry and, and really get a feel for how it all worked. Um, and, and meet people. And, and that was, you know, kind of the original thought, but, um, what I had hoped and what definitely came true was it really created a lot of relationships with other authors. That's been very rewarding, just getting to know these people and getting to read their work and, and, and having a chance to publish it and give them an opportunity for their work, their, their stories to get out there. So, um, yeah, I started Dreadstone Press in 20 January of 2021 around that time. And yes, yeah, so, uh, that that's one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up. Uh, Dreadstone Press. So you, uh, the 
one of the the things you have there is the uh, the the split screen where you take uh, two stories, and I, I really like the cover for that. By the way, uh, Thank did you. you did you design the cover for that? So um, the yeah, the split screen series is a um, it's called uh, I call it the horror novelette double feature. Um, so novelette is longer than a short story, shorter than a novella. There's some word count variances, but I stuck to ten to twenty thousand words, and okay. um, and then put two two novelettes together from from separate authors, and treat it as a um, like a, like the old split EPs that the music industry mm-hmm. used to do, or um, or simply like a movie double feature. Kind of mash those ideas together into a book and and create something where hopefully fans of one author will pick it up for them and then discover the other um or just you know the unique reading experience of having kind of like that double feature like you could read either story easily in one sitting and you could read both in one sitting and just kind of really experience that whole thing and that that's the idea behind split screen um and it's it's been really cool i i think people seem to to dig that unique concept and um i won't say it's like completely original but i don't see much like it so it's been cool to have have that um and as far as the cover goes i i got an illustrator to do the um like the logo and then the Mm -hmm. the icon little icons and then i you know i i put the cover together but um yeah have an illustrator do those little little artwork pieces on and it's an it's an interesting cover um i I don't necessarily hear a ton of people reaching out and talking about the cover as much as say like people have for Melonhead Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very intentional, like simplistic design that I wanted to achieve, um, showcasing two stories without over, you know, without one overpowering the other. Um, it, it was intentional, and I, I think it. I think sometimes that simplicity can be can be almost as striking and and intriguing for someone go oh, what what is that what are we what am i looking at here in the you know i try to use somewhat bright colors and mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it works i i hope this sounds like the compliment that i'm meaning it to but it's it's minimalistic in the nicest way possible it's not yes. overbearing and it when you uh, when you bring up the double features the kind of like the double feature it kind of reminds me of the 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 movie pylon board you would see outside of a drive and that has the title title uh, yeah. So when you put mm-hmm. it like that, actually, that makes it uh, even more interesting. <laughs> well, good. Uh, that that that's the whole. That was exactly what I was going for. So yeah. Uh, so th- this question's kind of more for my own curiosity because I have I've written some short stories that have been in anthologies and sure. uh, things like that. What what kind of prompted you from going? Were were short stories kind of like? Uh, dipping your toe in the water to see how how you like building out characters throughout a certain word length or how did you go from or what was kind of like this is kind of a loaded question what was kind of your uh your personal journey from going from short stories to to longer form i'm glad you asked that um it's a great question and the answer is is not really an a to b journey it's been all encompassing so when i started writing um six ish years ago i had started by writing a couple short stories that were absolute garbage (laughs) um 
just because I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of yeah. writing, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and then I just decided to write a novel in back in 2017. And then I spent five months writing it and I got 100,000 words. And it's a novel that probably will never see the light of day. But I've gone back to it a few times, tried to do some revisions. And at some point I may go back to it. Um, but I, but I wrote a no- you know I I wrote a novel you know years ago and I thought okay maybe this is what I'm going to do but also editing a hundred thousand words is a lot of, a lot of work <laughs> and just like wrapping my head around like how how to fix something like that was was challenging and so I kind of bounced back and forth and thought well I guess I'll just keep writing short stories and at the same time um, because I can theoretically start and finish one of those in a much shorter amount of time. And so the, the slog of, of writing a long, long work is, is a little bit draining and it can be discouraging. And so, you know, what I've kind of evolved into now over the last several years is devoting time to write longer works. Like, you know, I've got another short novel that I hope to post someday and I've written three novellas and, and I really enjoy doing that, but in between or when I'm letting it sit before I do a revision, I have to get into short stories just because they're, I like them mm-hmm. first and foremost, but they are, they're good grounds for experiment, experimenting. And, and again, just having that satisfaction of starting a story and finishing it in a much shorter span of time is really crucial to my like writer brain to not just feel constantly discouraged or that I'm not accomplishing anything. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of a roundabout answer, but I, I'm I'm doing both. Uh, uh, I'm in the middle of writing a novella right now, but a couple of weeks ago, I wrote my first short story in a while. So like, it's still it's still going. Um, still doing both of them. So uh, <clears throat> a little bit ago, you were you were talking about kind of the the indie horror, the indie writing community on yeah. Twitter, and from what I've noticed, it it seems to be uh, a very close knit group of people and once they kind of i I don't want to say accept you because not they're not gatekeeping whatsoever i don't want it to sound like that but but once once you kind of make yourself known in that uh in that community i feel like there's a lot of doors that'll and once i kind of ingrained myself that's how i i stumbled actually i stumbled upon you uh because uh uh i'm gonna totally butcher their name lore um Oh, one of the writers for horror obsessive i can't pronounce yeah, yeah. her last name she wrote uh um uh, a splatterpunk gore fest thing yeah uh, and now i'm forgetting the name and i feel like a complete jerk uh but so from there i got i got um served a, a tweet from from dreadstone and oh, then okay, i started cool. following that so it's it's very it's very interesting to kind of see how the dots connect yes. within the the indie uh, writing community. So in, and I promise we are going to get to your new book. Uh, I just <laughs> no have problem. so many questions for you that yeah. I need to, that I need to know, uh, in, uh, Melonhead Mayhem, it's obvious that you not only know horror, horror very well, but you appreciate it, uh, yeah. the, the, the entire, everything that it, it encompasses, uh, but kind of more inspirations for you as as a, a, a genre fan. Uh, do you have any favorite horror films? Ooh. Which is a loaded question, I know. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I, I I'm a I like a, 
nearly all horror um, for various reasons, and it, and it really depends on my mood. Um, I absolutely, you know, uh, will get into and, and appreciate, um, you know, movies like uh, Hereditary or um, The Witch or, you know, things like that. And, and I absolutely love that. But I watched just last night, I rewatched Humanoids from the Deep. And it's like, you know, those are not the same at all, but I can appreciate both for Mm -hmm. completely different reasons. And, and, um, uh, a friend of of mine, we, we talk a lot about just something kind of in this vein and and it it comes to mind right now. Like I, I like to have fun with, with all of it, you know? So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need all of the, the books or movies that I watch read to be, necessarily highbrow but i appreciate intellectual and depth like in you know thematic works Mm -hmm. um but yeah sometimes you just a slasher is good too you can just have fun with it and and i I like the campy stuff and um i I think it absolutely serves a purpose um and and i think (laughs) melonhead mayhem fits more on the campy side (laughs) but I I hope it's a fun book. That's kind of that's what I want. You know, it's not it's uh, I hope it's not completely superficial, but at the same time if you read it and and it's a quick read and you have fun with it, then I think I've accomplished something and and I'm good with that. Uh what about do you have a, a any favorite horror novels or at least favorite horror authors? Well, so I grew up on Stephen King. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't read it when I was super young, but my parents both read Stephen King basically my entire, well, certainly my entire life and, and before I was born. Um, I got into him in college and, and it's hard to, it's hard to mess with that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty legit, but um, I would say more recently, like uh, Stephen King is really like the mainstream author that I read, but um, I didn't know so funny horror is such a, a funny genre because it gets such a bad rap mm-hmm. in general yeah, society yeah, that i yeah. convinced myself that i didn't that what when i started writing that that's not what i was writing i like oh i write suspense or thriller <laughs> and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> like what am i doing here why am i doubting what i so anyway the 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 point of that is it's only been the last few years where i feel like i've really accepted what it is i'm trying to write and what i enjoy reading and watching and and so Stephen King's really the only mainstream horror author that I was reading. And, and now the last several years have been consumed by indie, indie authors. Mm-hmm. And, um, which has been great. <laughs> you know, it's like, I get, these are my peers. These are people that I have made relationships with and I get to read their work and, and get to see them become better writers almost in real time. And, mm-hmm. and that's, it's been a lot of fun. So how did how did you get uh, introduced to or uh, how did you make that connection with shortwave publishing and was uh, I we kind of you kind of mentioned it earlier uh, the series that Melonhead Mayhem is for the audience and I I think I might have said this in a in an episode that I talked that I when I gushed about your book <laughs> for about four minutes uh, um, it's the Killer VHS series. And Melonhead Mayhem is the first in the series. The second is uh, Candy Cane Kills, which uh, 
I'm sure that's going to be very fun as well. So how did you get, was, was uh killer VHS series already in the works when you found shortwave or was it just kind of a, like a happy coincidence type of thing? So um, it's actually a really fun story and it, and it's a, a point, a bit of point of pride for me, uh, although it's complete luck, but I had written Melonhead Mayhem three years ago okay. almost. And so it just had been, been sitting sitting in my in my files i had submitted it to a couple places and didn't have any success and um late last fall 2022 uh alan had just posted i think on his personal twitter like hey you know i'm i'm interested in in opening up for novellas for shortwave um if you have something you know send me an email pitch it pitch it to me mm-hmm. and so i'm like well i've got i've got this book i I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. It's a bit, it's a bit outside the normal realm of what submission calls are looking for for novellas because it, you know, it it, it is more of that like fun monster campy ish. Mm-hmm. And um, but I'm like, you know what? Whatever. He's he's asking, and I like start. I uh, composed the email, and I was like, ah, you know what? I don't know. I'm not going to send it. And I was talking to my friend, and she said, "What are you doing? You'd send it. You know, like if he says no, you're in the same spot you are if you don't send it. Mm-hmm. So." <clears throat> So send it. So I sent the pitch and the next day or two days later, I think it was like a Friday night. And then by Sunday he had emailed me back and said, yeah, this is, uh, I love the, I love the concept. Um, you know, send me the whole thing. And, and I think it was within a week he had read it all and then got back to me and said, yeah, I want to, I want to publish this and I've got some ideas. I think I want to kick off a line of kind of VHS style books and and create a series so um so melonhead mayhem kicked off that whole thing it was because i had sent it to him he it it led him to creating the whole series in the first place so um yeah so I, i i just happened to have a book that that he really liked and 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 wanted to make the the you know the opening entry in in the whole in the whole series I think it's a grand entry to the series. It it to Thank me you. sets the tone of what the series is kind of going to be, but at the same time, uh it wouldn't surprise me if there were other books that were kind of a bit more in uh not serious is the wrong term, but I I think you get what I'm trying to say cuz yeah. you said this this book is fun. It's, it is fun. Yeah. It's light and it's one of the most kind it, it's it's so engaging that at points I kind of forgot I was reading a book and I was watching it in my head. That's awesome. Um, it's like the best compliment I can get. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, so let's. Uh, I want to talk about. I, I'm completely skirting around your book, the the the, the contents of the book, but I, yeah, I sure. we we have to talk about the cover. Um, yes. Well, so where did the idea for this? Yeah. Where did the idea for this illustration come from? Because it, uh, I hope you don't mind if I tell you what it reminds me of. And, please, please tell uh, me. I kind of wanted to wait until we got to this part. Um, I don't know if, because we're about the same age. I just turned 29. Uh, okay. And yeah. uh, a lot of, some of my most favorite memories growing up were the Friday nights where my my uh, mom and dad would take me to we they take me and my stepbrothers to Blockbuster, yeah. And you know we we'd get a couple pizzas from Pizza Hut and 
my mom was the one that got me into horror. So we would just walk up and down the, the aisles of the horror section of Blockbuster. And I would just look at the covers and I'd see these weird ass eighties movies with strange covers. Like uh, primal rage is one that, oh, yeah. that, that's, that sticks in my head. Uh, even critters, um, which is mentioned in the book, uh, a, mm. a handful of times. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, a the, what's the what's the okay yeah no moving past that um so yeah, this book just kind of reminded me of one of the times every single week that i i looked forward to and there's there's many things about the contents of it that make me feel nostalgic that we'll get into later but that specifically what what you guys have done with the cover of this uh i think is going to hit a section of audience that that is going to appreciate it for the complete nostalgia factor that 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 Melonhead Mayhem is. Uh, yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, it, sorry and, for that whole long-winded. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, uh, I, and I, I didn't watch a lot of horror movies with my family or when I was that young. But the same thing. It was really quite often we would run to um uh, the movie store movie gallery was the one i think i actually okay. i think i actually name check in that that in the book movie gallery um, wait that that's the one that the that the the guy's dad ran and gave him the bot okay yeah 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 yep yep so um movie gallery was in in the town there was a blockbuster but it was a little bit farther away so okay. we would go to movie gallery typically and um and yeah like grab grab a pizza and and just there's mm-hmm. something to be said about that experience of just walking down the aisles and just looking at the covers of all these VHS, um, like the, the hard plastic Mm -hmm. cases and yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, the whole, the, the design of the cover, um, that was obviously very intentional, like talking with Alan basically from the beginning, like how do we want to present this and, and knowing, knowing what he wanted to do with the, the series. Um, yeah, he wanted to set it up, so that it it felt like you were looking at the the artwork and the cover for the you know a box a VHS mm-hmm. box and 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 that extends to the little the little window of of art on the back with um you know the the text there just because that was pretty pretty common for for movies in the VHS covers in the in the past to have that like extra little bit of art on the back and um so yeah he designed that whole thing we we hired. But we he hired an an illustrator, Mark um, Volitic, I, I believe. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Sorry, Mark. Um, and he Ooh, that, did the that, that illustrations. Does look interesting to pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> he did the illustrations and absolutely nailed them. Um, and and then with the illustrations, Alan pieced the the whole design together and absolutely nailed it. Um, but as far as the artwork itself, Alan and I had discussed like, okay, what do you, what do you think the melon heads look like? kind of describe it to me um and then let's talk with mark about you know some ideas and and he started by just drawing the melon heads making sure i felt comfortable with what Mm -hmm. his vision and you know my vision were for the monsters themselves and then we talked about the the building on the front cover which is felt mansion which is a a real place here in michigan and i I thought oh it'd be cool because it is a real place yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah. Um, I'm like, it would be cool to have that in there. So I sent him a picture of felt mansion. So he had something to go with. And then, um, 
the little Easter egg thing that uh, no one has picked up on yet, but it's not overly overt. Um, the whole style of the melon head up in the sky over the over the mansion. Um, that was Alan's idea because he he was envisioning the Jason takes Manhattan or Jason in Manhattan the the Friday the Thirteenth movie where where the the hockey mask Jason's is like in the in like the clouds over the the cityscape of Manhattan and he kind of wanted to do something similar to that where okay. like the melon, the, the melon head is is hanging out up in the clouds over over top of the, the mansion. I did not pick that up. That's that's very interesting. Also, I'm not the most familiar with the the Friday the Thirteenth. That that's sure. that's one of my one of my faults. Um, well, you'll get there. <laughs> uh, the uh, the the text for uh, I, I like how uh, your your name and Melonhead are are kind of the the same font, and then Mayhem is this more kind of in your face, totally rad eighties. Totally rad, uh, yeah. Uh, snowboarder font and and i appreciate how you carry that over to the 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 chapter the chapter markings um as well as on top of that for chapter one you have the the tracking where for all the chat for all the chapters you have the the little tracking marks but you also have the the play button and i appreciate that because it's just that that extra bit of nostalgia where if it wasn't there i wouldn't have said damn i wish that was there but having it there it's like Oh damn, that's there. Yes. Yes. Again, credit to Alan. He is just a master for the details and unbelievably creative and, and has a lot of experience with des- graphic design. And and when he showed me that first mock-up with the with like the tracking lines and mm-hmm. the, the play button and, and then eventually with the that text for the for the chapter titles, I was like, oh yeah, this it looks so good. The interior of the book looks just really professional and 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 really fits the whole theme of the book and and it's it's one of those things where if it wasn't there you wouldn't necessarily be longing for it but because it's there it really it really sets it apart it really just gives it a a notch above just your your everyday book and i love that i love that stuff i love the details and and i'm a big fan big believer in making the interior well the whole book the whole book should look good right mm-hmm. cover to the to the interior like front to back it should look good and it's it's not that difficult to make it look good but some small things and some little details can really set it apart and alan absolutely he did it he nailed it so are are you uh familiar with uh i i did a base amount of research on the actual lore behind melon heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, st- I still haven't quite been able to, to grasp my head around it. Was, was there something about the lore or the ideas? Is that, a, is, was it, is it a Michigan thing? Because until this book, I had never heard of, of a melon head. So what drew me to the, the melon heads it, quite simply is the fact that yes, it is a local legend here in okay. Michigan. Um at, at Felt Mansion, which is like a half an hour from where I live. So it's it is local, local to me. And I know there are a few different versions. I think maybe Connecticut, Ohio, I don't know. There's a couple other places um where the Melonheads are a, an urban legend and um and I don't know the backgrounds of those, but um yeah, I'd kind of heard it tossed around a little bit living over in West Michigan in in this area and then um 
I think I just was like thinking of monsters or things that I could mm-hmm. could write about, and like you, you know, it's it's easy to think about cryptids or urban legends. I'm like oh, mountain heads are, you just don't. I haven't. I, I I googled it, you know. I'm like, okay, there's some stuff about it, but there's not really a ton of media about it. So mm-hmm. I thought this could be good. I, I I have a little bit of room to work with, and um, you know, it's not it's not another Bigfoot thing. Which hey, I'm all for that, but there's a lot so much established for it you it just yeah. almost feels like you're you either have to go way outside the box or or you're kind of pigeonholed into to what exists there and 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 i was i did stick to what what the kind of mythology truly is here but again because it i just don't see people talking about it it felt it still felt fresh like mm-hmm. even kind of sticking to that that true mythology so I I don't want to continually keep comparing your novel to to an eighties movie because I I don't want that uh, I I feel like some people might think that I'm kind of cornering your movie in your your, your <laughs> novel into uh, I told you I I I I got to the point where I was watching this instead of reading it um, so I I'm not trying to corner it into one specific category sure but when you kind of think of these types of 80s movies the how i'm feeling about the novel again i apologize um you kind of think of the main characters being you know a a horny teen couple or a group of horny teens you know things like that so so for you to make uh carson and sophia the the two main the the protagonists Mm -hmm. um to make them cousins i think was actually kind of a really bold choice where it either could have worked in the long run if you stick through it or it would have or it could have you know fallen flat and obviously i think that it worked a 100 percent. so what was there was your idea always to kind of make it because there's no no sex in this and not explicitly no um so what what um yeah, I, I it was it, that was a very intentional decision. Um, I have a lot of cousins, and like <clears throat> growing up, have had you know very close relationships with my with my cousins, and just like having those bonds over things. And so, like, um, I, I like that that idea of it's not just friends. There's a there's a blood relationship there, and there you know the history of growing up together, like that gives you a lot to work with in terms of characters, like having that bond. And I, and I frankly wasn't terribly interested in writing anything remotely romantic leaning. I didn't want there to be any, any of that with the characters. And, and so that helped, but also very aware too of, yeah, that expectation. And, and I got to um, play a little bit with that in the early scene where they're watching the movie. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, without without spoiling much, there there is an actual VHS tape in the in the book, and they watch it, and so I get to play around with with yeah. Randy, the Randy and and Jenny, I think, are the the two. So so I get to play with that relationship a little bit, and 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 feed into that trope without forcing my actual main characters to fit that role. Mm-hmm. And and I and I I wanted the vibe of the VHS era. Of course, but I didn't want the book to be only that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the choosing to do the main characters as just cousins who have a shared love of 
uh, of of movies and and like their history of growing up together. I th- I felt like helped kind of avoid that stick. You know, stigma is not the right word, but just the trap of of the you know the love interest or yeah horny teenager type. Yeah, you know, because it kind of reminded me of you said you had a a close connection with your your cousins. Um, on my my father's side of the family, they uh, they had a, a cabin in the the Poconos in. Hmm the woods in Pennsylvania and uh, every other week. And my, my cousin who was about my age would go and we would both go and we'd uh, you know, we'd play in the woods all day. And then at night we would watch scary movies on the TV and then walk around the woods at night. So there was just, it, I kind of almost feel like you wrote this book for me. It feels like it. And like Um, every time you talk about it, I'm like, wow, did I write this? (laughs) I write this for you. Uh, But no, it's just, I I appreciate it because you could have easily taken a sleazy route to it and you could have filled it with and there there's a good bit of blood in it but you could have filled yeah. it with you know uh cover to cover with with blood and gore and insects and stuff but it it's reserved in a way that I wasn't expecting and by the end I appreciated it because the payoff in uh, I so uh, again I'm going to try and find a way I don't want to spoil this book because I think everyone needs to go read it. Uh yeah. and I've told you I've sh- I've been shilling this book so much. Uh <laughs> the the third act is uh set wise it's the most different from everything that yes. that we get again tr- trying not to spoil it and every leading up to it the uh you know, just trying to stay awake when they're in the car at the hardware store mm-hmm. and things like that. You 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 find a way to take this story that's been fun and very relatable into a very tense and anxious uh, kind of space. So, wh- when you were writing it, what was your what was your process? Did you always kind of plan to have Act One and Act Two? uh more fun and I don't want to say lighthearted because it's melon head creatures attacking this this town that's very yeah. far from lighthearted. Yes. Uh but so uh how how did you kind of attack this idea of taking it from one direction and completely flipping the script by the third act with uh setting wise and action wise? So that's yeah that's a great question and um I'm not I'm not really the best writer to ask that question, but I do have an answer for it. So okay. my my easy answer is I generally don't think too hard about it and I just write it and whatever story comes out is mm-hmm. is generally what happens and I can tweak it from there and kind of make it fit the the expectations that that reveal themselves later. Um but I will say as you were asking that question I was just thinking okay, why why did I write it that way? Because again, I didn't necessarily set out to do those tonal shifts specifically but the journey of this story kind of necessitated that and i think it made the most sense as i was writing it and i think it worked out that way so the 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 origin of this whole book is that it was a short story first and oh a lot of the first maybe four or five chapters was the the scope of the short story the short story ended differently than than those chapters did obviously because i continued the story mm-hmm. um but the short story leaned like almost completely 
as the initial chapters do, into that kind of fun, silly uh, monsters attack kind of thing. And um, I think what ended up happening is when I expanded it, I kept up that tone for a while to get through to a point where they can kind of move on to the next. I'm talking vaguely without to try not to spoil yeah. it, but to move on to the next kind of task or goal mm-hmm. or setting. Um, and and I it allowed me to carry that kind of lighthearted tone. But then I got to a point where I really, like I, I, I'm remembering this now where I thought, okay, well, what are the repercussions of this? Like it is all, it is fun and silly, but they're, these people are being like the monsters come to life from a movie, you know, it's ridiculous, but these characters were attacked by monsters and people are dying and they have a choice to make. And and what are the repercussions of that? And, and I think I, I decided the best way forward was to take it, you know, change that, tone enough where it becomes more of a it's still it's still absurd but at the same time like a more serious shift to it to to end the book um so i think it yeah i don't know i don't know if i answered your question but it's just interesting i'm more thinking about this for the first time that you that you've asked it uh but yeah i guess i think that's it i think because it started as a short story it was that really lighthearted and and then i got to a point where i thought okay well the fun's done. Now, what do they have to clean up the mess and how do we do this somewhat seriously? And I, I think what I appreciate so much about the third act is it makes it real, even though, how can I say, I'm going to say this without spoiling it, even though when they get to the to the hotel that, that Carson's friend works at, yes, that's a very real experience. But I think what you do in the third act kind of solidifies not only the the horror of the melon heads but but that that they could possibly kill you yes it could be over <laughs> it's yes. done yes. um uh sorry there was another question that i had that i wanted to piggyback off of that uh and i kind of lost it um i apologize my okay. my my notes are I I I I did more of the outline and these notes just don't make sense. <laughs> uh so in in my review for horror obsessive there there were a few things where when I was writing them I hoped that they didn't sound hyperbolic because it's how it, and when I write reviews you know uh that's kind of something that I worry about because I either love something or I hate something. Okay. I, I find, I find it difficult to be like, it was fine, you know, cause I can, I can, but this, this was one of those things where I, I just, and I'm not trying to kiss your ass, I swear, but <laughs> it was just, it was so entertaining. And one of the, one of the things that I said was, uh, this feels like a goosebumps for adults. Yeah. And so did uh did you ever did you grow up reading Goosebumps at all? I, I know that, I did, that was a yeah. question I I meant to ask earlier. Yeah, no, no. I I did. Um I read I I would guess the vast majority of the original run of Goosebumps. I I don't have any of them anymore, but I yeah, I definitely grew up reading as many as I could get my hands on. Um and I actually have uh 
I have a, a stack here. I've been recollecting my some Goosebump mm. books. Um, I just reread the original one like a couple weeks ago. Okay, uh, just because it was such a such a part of my childhood, and and I I don't have a great memory for the things that I read. I tend to read them and forget a lot about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember devouring Goosebump bo- Goosebumps books, and so uh, I thought, you know what? The, the local bookstore had a bunch, like a handful. So I thought, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna grab them and reread them. It'll, it'll take me an afternoon to read yeah. them, and and you know, just try to relive that experience a little bit. And uh, so, what I was hoping with when I said that was, I I was hoping that it didn't sound like a, a put down at all because goosebumps. I and I think especially with people that that are our age, you know, goosebumps. And, uh, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog, things like that. Those were kind of the things that that shaped us as <clears throat> as young horror viewers, genre viewers. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Goosebumps always had that that sense of realism to them. But there was uh, it still felt childish kind of at the end of it. Whereas uh, Melonhead Mayhem, it has that that sense of of wonder and mystique to it. But when it gets real, it doesn't turn back. So I, and so I, I was, I've, I'm also kind of using this as, as a, to, to gauge your reaction. And I hope that, uh, you and Alan took that as the compliment that, that I, I, uh, I meant it to be. We were both thrilled to hear that. I mean, that is the, the best. I mean, your, your review in general, just the whole thing was excellent. I sent it to like, to my parents, I said, you know, I like I, all my friends, like you need to read this review. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, when, when Alan first read the review and then sent it to me, he had like, I, it might've been in caps locked in his email, like goosebumps for adults. He was like so pumped for it. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's perfect. I think it really does fit. And, and it's interesting because I don't know that I would have set out to do that, but I, but at the same time, it fits it really fits with my upbringing and what i like to write and and kind of that style uh, of book that i enjoy you know writing and, and reading so mm-hmm. um yeah I, I appreciate it completely i mean you have no idea <laughs> just it, i loved it so i i hate i one of the things that annoys me about interviews is when the the person doing the interview is always like okay but what's next um mm. and you kind of you kind of already uh touched on this a little bit so that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable bringing it up uh so uh, d- is there anything uh, specifically that you're working on or is it just kind of uh a few different projects that you're juggling around yeah so i i actually like that question um because other than the the close friends that know what I'm I'm writing, most people don't actually know what it is I'm working on, mm-hmm. and so I, it's it's fun to it's a, this in this case it is fun to talk okay, about. Okay, good, so, good. Then I don't feel bad asking it. No, don't feel bad at all. Um, I I I hope that people like <laughs> actually hear me answer this question and go, oh, sweet, I'm excited for this. So, um, I am in the middle of writing a new novella. Um, not sure what's going to happen with that one. I'm kind of struggling with it for a little, a little bit. And I don't want to say much about it cause I'm still kind of in the middle of it, but mm-hmm. so I am hard at work, like writing, um, new material. Uh, however, m- more short term publishing side of things 
I am maybe wink wink gonna do a surprise release of a Halloween short story collection this year if all if everything works out. Um which was something I had kind of wanted to do I'd made the decision a year ago to do it for this year and I had forgotten about it and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do this. So theoretically this October I will have uh like a, a somewhat smaller mini collection of Halloween stories. Okay. Um and then more solidified this for sure for sure will happen in spring of 2024 i'm going to self-publish my next novella um reanimated rex which is a bit of a uh love letter to jurassic park because it's my favorite movie of all time um and it's like a mishmash of frankenstein and jurassic park um there's a the quick the kind of quick pitch is Deep in the woods of Michigan, there's an abandoned theme park called uh, Prehistoric Park, I believe. Because I think the re- it's a real place, Prehistoric Forest, I believe. And um, there's a recluse living there with with his old dinosaur statues. And surprise, surprise, they come to life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that'll be in that'll be spring of twenty four. I'm gonna I'm gonna self publish that. That sounds awesome. And uh, uh, title wise, that kind of uh, fits because we just covered Rawhead Rex. Oh, cool! Um, and that—that's—that's that's a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's a—it's a movie. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> so, you've—you've uh, you've kind of paved your own path uh, here as 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 an author, and we've we've kind of discussed that a little bit. But is there any uh, any you know words of wisdom or any advice you would give uh, someone that's trying to either enter the the indie horror writing scene or that's in there but just kind of like needs that you know little kick yeah so um a couple things that i would that i would say and they're going to be kind of generic but um the first is for mountainhead mayhem specifically obviously shortwave publishing published it Mm -hmm. um and there i i will fully admit there was a large amount of good luck good fortune in terms of that working out the way it did i mean i i sent a pitch uh you know a guy opened up to pitches i sent him an email and he wanted to turn it into a series you know or like he wanted to, to kick off a series with it. like that's that's great luck you know but um and and just the, the luck of of working with someone like alan who was just at the top of his game in terms of getting creating the whole brand and everything. Um, but I recently did another, another interview and I, I mentioned this, it was lucky that it worked that that timing worked out, but I had the book written. I had, I had written, I had done the writing. I had it there. It was available so that when he on a whim posted on Twitter, Hey, send me a pitch. I could, mm-hmm. you know, an hour later, I was sending firing off an email because I had the book written. I wasn't going, Oh man, I wish I had written something and, and tried to scramble to write something like I had a book written. And so, uh, so I guess the advice there is just do the work, like do the writing and, and, and learn to enjoy it. Because if you're, if you're not going to, then you're, you're probably not going to last long. That sounds a little negative and, and pessimistic, but 
publishing is such a weird game and you just you never know what's going to going to shake out and i've had a lot of rejection for the novellas that i've written but you know i did the work i enjoyed doing it and i had the book ready and 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 was in a position to receive that good luck when when alan you know made the made the tweet mm-hmm. so um there's that aspect of it just do the writing enjoy it and 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 get that stuff done so that when the publishing opportunities come up you're you're ready um now on the flip side the other novella that that i self-published curse corvus again wrote three years ago and had a lot of rejections for it and i finally decided well i'm going to put it out myself um absolutely a viable option for anyone but just know that it's a lot of work and and you're going to need to take the time to to understand all the aspects of publishing and what it takes to to go from a story that you've written to a book that you're that you're selling to people um there's so many different aspects from getting cover art and getting it edited and interior formatting and Mm -hmm. making it available on print on demand services. I mean, there's a lot of steps there and anyone can learn it. I mean, I, I did, and and you gotta be willing to reach out to people for help, but um, it's a rewarding experience too. I mean, you you have all of the control and, and it's kind of scary, but also cool. You get to, you get to make it what you want. And you, if you put in the time and the effort, it'll be something you could be proud of. And that's how I feel about Chris Corbis. Well, I think that's a great answer. Uh, so, uh, we will, uh, put all the, the links in the description, but, uh, so, uh, people can buy Curse Corvus at your website, uh, alexevenstein.com. Uh, they yeah, can- there's a link to it's It's actually, so it is a self-published book, but because I already had the Dreadstone Press web store up, it's, it's there. Um, okay. It's there. So yeah, the, my, my personal website will link you directly to the, to the Dreadstone Press shop. Um, it's available at all retailers. Um, you know, if you're in the United States, I would prefer if you bought it for me because I, mm-hmm. I got the copies over my. Well, you can't. You can see it over my shoulder it. here. Um, and I'd love to love to send it to you. And if you're just thinking ebook, I I believe I have the cheapest uh, priced ebook on on the website there. So you know, always. Hey, there's here's another tip. Mm-hmm. If you ever want a book, look at the look at the publisher's site or the author's site first because they usually are selling copies and you're going to make their day if you order it from them directly if you can so that you know that's exactly and also because amazon didn't have the the cool ass packaging for exactly. vhs and i was like yes. why if i'm gonna buy the book why would i buy it from amazon when i can get this awesome packaging and so yeah i uh will like i said we'll link your uh your your website below and uh people can uh you're on twitter at at alex evanstein um are you on anything else that you you want to instagram instagram and twitter at alex evanstein um also at dreadstone press for uh instagram and twitter so um yeah catch me there and and the websites alex evanstein.com dreadstonepress.com perfect well uh so like we said uh go out Go and check out Melonhead Mayhem. Uh, you will not. You will not regret it. <laughs> and uh, get your get your shortwave video membership card because I'm gonna actually put. I'm gonna in my Twitter bio. I'm gonna put a uh, shortwave video member number one seventeen. And I, I think it. I think everyone should do that. So when I'm interacting with someone, if I see it, I'm like, oh, they're cool. Yeah, you know you're um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, seriously, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to to sit and chat with me. Uh, this it, also in my review, I said this this uh, book oozes film grain, and there's just if you grew up on Goosebumps, if you grew up on '80s creature features, if you just grew up on horror in general, this book is for you. Yes, Amen. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been an absolute blast. Awesome. Well, that being said, this has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the bulbest head monsters of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, I have been your host, Brendan, and with us is author Alex Ebenstein. Stay spooky, folks. <laughs> <laughs>